0: We thank the band for this special music today and drawing us closer to the Lord, and certainly we can identify with the words from that song. If you have your Bibles with you today, would like to turn and follow along with me, I'll be reading from Numbers 13, verses 1 and 2, and then skipping down to verses 26 through 33 together. The Lord said to Moses, "'Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, "'which I am giving to the Israelites. "'From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders.' "'And they came back to Moses and Aaron "'and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh "'in the desert of Paran. "'There they reported to them and to the whole assembly "'and showed them the fruit of the land. "'They gave Moses this account.' We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. There is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and are very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there, and the Amalekites who live in Negev, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Morites who live in the country, and the Canaanites, "'lived near to the sea and along the Jordan.' "'Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, "'We should go up and take possession of the land, "'for we can certainly do it.' "'But the men who had gone up with him said, "'We can't attack those people. "'They are stronger than we are, "'and they are spread among the Israelites.' a bad report about the land that they had explored. And they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim, where the descendants of the Amcad came from the Nephilim. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. May God bless the reading and the hearing and the understanding of His precious and His holy word. Having a vision just to do it, I know you remember a few years back that there was a Nike commercial that involved Bo Jackson and the commercial said, just do it. In other words, quit just talking about it, just quit thinking about it and have that vision, yes, but let's get it done, let's let's move forward with it. I know that probably many of you have been to Disney World. It's an incredible place down is isn't it? And many of you have probably taken your children or your grandchildren to that place. It's one of the most popular tourist attractions in all the world. Uh, 42 million people uh, just a few years ago went to Disney World alone. It sits on 43 square miles of some of the most prime Uh, territory that you can find there in Florida it is a place that originally it took seven years to plan four and a half years to build and on October the first 1971 Disney World had their grand opening somebody was standing beside Miss Disney and said isn't it a shame that Walt is not here to see this and Miss Disney replied he did see it that's why it's here. You see, he had the vision for that place and what it had become. Disney World is uh, what it is because uh, Walt Disney had a vision for that. It's amazing. How many things that we interact with on a daily basis that touches our life, it's because somebody at some point had a vision our automobiles that we drive, the TVs that we watch, our computers uh, that we work off of, it's because somebody had a vision for those things. Somebody has observed uh, that the blindest person in the world is not the person with no sight, but it's the person that has no vision uh, in their life. The word vision occurs some 31 times in the Old Testament. We find there in Joshua, uh, he himself understood what it meant to be a visionary. Proverbs in 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. It's not just about having our vision, it's about having the vision that God has for us that we're able to contemplate, we're able to pray, that we reflect upon the things that God would have us to do and be, and that when we understand what that is, that we go and do it. The people of Israel had literally been on the brink of seeing a century-old God and His vision become a reality. They had been in bondage for some 400 years there in that nation of Egypt. They had seen God and what he had done as he parted the sea, as he destroyed an army, and as he fed them with manna from heaven. Now the wilderness of Paran was right on the edge of Canaan. They could look across the river and see this wonderful land and As I went to Israel and I I was there on one of those mountains, somebody said, that's the land there of milk and honey that it talks about in the scriptures. A beautiful land, a very luscious land, a fruitful land. But here they were positioned for victory. They were poised for victory and they were promised victory by God Himself. All they had to do was to claim this land called Canaan. But they could not see it. And because they could not see it, they did not do it. This passage of scripture that we have read together today tells us not only how important it is to have a vision, but also if we're going to achieve anything of greatness that we need to possess that vision. It's important that we have vision so that we can have victory in our life, both for an individual and for an institution or any group that you're a part of if you have folks who are always floundering about what their vision is, if they're not clear about what that is about, we find a lot of times we're not able to accomplish a lot of things. We just meander around, and we can spend a lot of time in meetings and talking about those various things, but we never get it done. We never really do it. But We find these people wanted to get about doing this vision that they had. You cannot see it, then greatness will never occur. I would say, first of all, that vision must be inspired. And it must be inspired really by God if it's going to accomplish anything. Someone has uh, defined vision as foresight with insight based on hindsight. Someone else has described it this way. Seeing the invisible and making it visible. Still another leader uh, termed it this way, that vision is an informed bridge from the present to the future. That yes, we can see uh, what's happened in the past. But there's still something left out of those definitions. And I like this one the best. That vision is God-given plan that he desires to become a man-made reality that God makes the vision possible, but man makes the vision real. God gives us that vision, but He asks us to implement that, to move forward, to step out oftentimes in faith to be able to accomplish this plan that He's called us to participate in. The vision that the people of Israel had was definitely God-given. Listen to the Scriptures again. Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel from each tribe of their fathers, and you shall send a man, every one leader among you. He did not say, I will give. He was saying uh, here that I am giving it to you. The reason that Joshua and Caleb had smiles on their faces was because they already saw the deed to this land. God was asking them to go and claim it. Sometimes we can see that land that is flowing with milk and honey. It's right there before us, and yet God calls us to step out and to claim that land, that vision. That is why that any vision without God is really not a vision at all. Because when you have a God-sized vision, it will appear as if some things are impossible. I've seen that so often in ministry. And we don't want to be ignorant about what we do. But how often have we had the naysayers that stood in the camp and gave the reasons or excuses for not doing something? We have a worship experience in this place this morning because we had a vision for this new facility. We could say, well, that's what they decided to do down there at the church. No, I believe that God gave a vision for that. And because of that vision, we're able to accomplish great things. I want to emphasize and reiterate that if you have what you think is a vision, it had better be a God given vision or else the possibilities of accomplishing that is not very great most of us studied while we we're in school Christopher Columbus we know who he was he was a great discoverer but i would contend that he was even a greater leader you see when he talked about sailing to the new world that people laughed at him and ridiculed him and they said oh that's ridiculous But there's a reason that he did that. There's a reason that he moved forward. Listen to what he says here in his own words. It was the Lord who put into my mind that I could feel his hand upon me the fact that it would be possible to sail from here to the Indies all who heard of my project rejected it with laughter and ridiculing me. There is no question that the inspiration was from the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? Did he had a vision from God? It was a large vision. He didn't have a lot of people in his camp. He didn't have a lot of people believing that he could sail to the new world. And yet he felt led by God to do so. I would say to you this morning, God has a vision for every single individual. Every organization, every church, He has a vision for your life. He has a plan for you, and we need to catch hold of that so that we can do that. And that's what it's saying, that vision calls for a plan. Even though God told them to take the land, He tells them in verse 2 to send men to spy out the land. Now, please understand that when He sent them out, He wasn't saying, I want you to go over there and I want to get your opinion on that. The decision had already been made, but they wanted to formalize a plan. These spies were sent out not to bring back their opinion, but they were to bring back a strategy for accomplishing the taking over of that land. They were not sent to spy out the land to determine whether or not that they should take the land, but how they should take it and the means in which they should take it. They were not to go out and find fault. They were simply to go out and find the facts. Now, the reason why God expects us to investigate and research is not to prove that his vision will work, but to show why it will work. In verse 27, it says the land flows with milk and honey. It was obvious that God wanted them to have this land and that they would be guided by faith. You see, There were giants in the land, In verse 28 says, Nevertheless, the people who lived in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. In any vision that God gives you, we find your life will encounter obstacles. Have you ever had a large vision? Let me ask you something. Have you ever had a large vision Did you think that God gave you that you didn't encounter some obstacles and problems along the way? A great vision brings with it critics. There were other spies who were sent out with Joshua and Caleb to investigate the land. These people, these men had two things in common. They were critics, and they were cowards. The group was sent out, uh, but two groups came back. One with a majority report, and another with a minority report. Now, the majority, they were wearing contact lens. That is, they had minimized God. And they had maximized the giants. Isn't that what we do so often in our lives? That we'll nitpick, that we'll try to find some little thing in there so that it won't happen. And God is always pushing us forth to move forward and to do greater things than we've already done. When they looked through their contact lens, their God was too weak. They were too small. The task was too difficult, and the giants were just too doggone big. They were frightened out of their minds. And in verse 33 it says, There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. When you focus on your fears instead of your faith, you focus on your foes instead of our Heavenly Father. You will develop a grasshopper mentality. You will say no when God is saying go. We have far too many people. We have far too many Christians who have a grasshopper mentality. You understand what I'm saying? We're stuck in place. We've become immovable. We're not willing to launch out to have a great vision. Now I find this interesting. Twelve spies were sent out as one and yet they came back as two different groups. You may say I'm not surprised at that. But both groups traveled the same route. They experienced the same view and yet they came back with totally different points of view. One group saw the opportunities. The other group saw the obstacles. One group saw the grapes. The other saw the giants. One saw the blessings. Another saw the burdens. Which group would you fall into if you'd been sent out to that land to view Canaan? The majority can sometimes be wrong. In 1939, there was a Gallup poll taken by the American people about how many would buy a gadget called a TV or a television. 16% said they would venture out and try a television. In the next 30 years, 175 million televisions were sold. How about you? Is anybody functioning without one today? Most of us got one in about every room, don't we? <laughs> that we can get one in. A great vision we find is almost always criticized. There will always be those naysayers. Thomas Watson, the chairman of IBM in 1943, said, I don't think there is a world market for even five computers. Ken Olson, who was chairman and founder of Digital Equipment Corporation, says that there is no reason anyone would want a computer in their home. In 1918 and 99, Charles H. Duell, the commissioner of the U.S. Office of Patents, said the agency should close because everything that can be invented has been invented. In 1962, DECA, recording company, turned down an opportunity to sign a musical group because they said, we don't like their sound and The guitar music is on its way out. That group happened to be the Beatles. There are always people around who will cloud our vision and impede our progress because they are not looking for the future, but they're looking in their rearview mirror. They're looking in the past and they're staying in the past and they're willing not to catch hold of God's vision to move forward. In the future, to allow wonderful and great things to take place. You see, I like what Paul Hoovey said. He said, A blind man's world is bounded by the limits of his touch, an ignorant man's world by the limits of his knowledge, and a great man's world by the limits. Of his vision. I wonder what the limits of your vision may be on this morning. So don't be discouraged when vision brings opposition. It just seems to go with the territory. I'd also say that vision creates energy for us. Now, listen to the minority report by Joshua and Caleb. They say this in verse 30, let us go up once and take possession for we are able to overcome it. And then it says, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give us a land that flows with milk and honey. You see, they knew that going to the Canaan land was not their idea, but it was God's idea and they were just being used by God to implement that. There were giants in the land. And Caleb says only um, rebel against the Lord, no fear of the people in the land, for they are our bread. In other words, we'll just eat them up. We're not afraid of them. The ministry of our people, sometimes in the minority, is to look at the giants and say they are so much smaller than God. God. If you look at the giants, you will think you are a grasshopper. But if you look at God, you will think that the giants are grasshoppers because every giant is a grasshopper in the eyes of God. Remember the story again last week that we talked about David and Goliath? They had the same problem, didn't they? Those people who were looking at Goliath and David said, hey, I serve a bigger God than Goliath. I can take him down. You see, when... We think about our vision as being only our limitations and not God's expectations, we find ourselves falling and failing. We've spoken about the eagle. What a wonderful animal that is, a creature of God. It has the eyesight of eight times the ability of a human being. We're told that from 600 feet above, that an eagle can spot an object the size of a dime moving through six inches of grass, that it can see a three-inch fish jumping into a lake five miles away. Eagle, eagles can see things that other creatures miss. I wonder, as we come on this day, what is it that we're missing? What is it that we fail to see that God is pointing out to us? What is it that we need to be about doing that we're not doing? What's that God-given vision that he wants us to claim this morning? I like what Charles Swindoll once said, that vision is essential for our survival. It is formed by faith, sustained by hope, sparked by our imagination, and strengthened by our enthusiasm. It is greater than sight. It is deeper than a dream. It is broader than an idea. Vision encompasses vast visas outside the rim of his predictability. The safe, the expected, no wonder... We perish without it. No wonder we die internally. No wonder we become stagnant. No wonder we fail to accomplish the things that God would have us do because we have no vision. We have no God-given vision to accomplish those things. All great things in the world are given to us by God and it is His vision that He wants us to claim in our life. If we're able to see the supernatural and the magical, it happens because we are convinced by God that he has a vision for our life and our world. I read of a story of a young man who was in a small college playing football. He was a quarterback. He was sort of a goof off. As a matter of fact, he was sort of on the team because he wouldn't impress the girls. He didn't care to practice run laps, he was just sort of there, just sitting on the bench, never went into the game. But one day his coach came up to him, called him over the side and said, I just got a message, your father's passed away and your family wants you to come home immediately and so he went home for the funeral. And a week later he came back and they were playing the game that weekend and it was homecoming and he had a little sparkle in his eye and he He went up to the coach and he said, Coach, I can play today. And the coach thought, Kid, you're not playing today. This is homecoming and uh, we want the best players that we can have. This is the biggest game of the year and you're not one of the best players. During that game, this kid continued to badger the coach. Coach, please let me play. I've just got to play. Well, the first quarter, the team got behind. Second quarter, by halftime, they got even further behind. In the third quarter, they were even in a deeper hole, and the coach kept hearing the badgering from this quarterback who seemed to have a new fervor of enthusiasm in his life, and he said, what the heck, I'll just put him in. And when he put him in, all of a sudden, there was a burst of enthusiasm and excitement, and the whole momentum of the game changed, and, They began to score, and he even intercepted a pass and scored the final touchdown himself. And the coaches couldn't believe it. They carried him off on the shoulders the team did. And the coach went to him, and he said, kid, I've never seen anything like this before. What in the world happened out there? Coach, he said, you know, my dad died last week. He said, yeah, I remember that. He said, Well, coach, my dad was blind, and today is the first day of his life that he ever saw me play. You see, our Heavenly Father is watching us, isn't He? He has a vision for us individually. He has a vision for us as a church. He has a vision for your family. He wants what is best for you. He wants you to be excited about a plan. He wants you to be enthused about that land out there that you haven't seized yet. He wants you to go get it because He loves you and He cares for you and He knows what's best for you. And some of us need to change our thinking. And we need to get on the side that God is on. And we need to understand the mind of Christ. And we need to claim that for ourselves. And we need to claim that as religious institutions in this world. And we need to go out in faith and encouragement and enthusiasm and be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We can, with God's help, Make our vision a reality because it's given to us by God. We need to have that vision and we need to just do it. Amen and amen. I hope that God is blessing you where you are and what you're doing today. I hope that the very living spirit of God has invaded who you are, that you're feeling that there's something else you need to be about doing, that you need to be on mission and ministry for the Lord, and that sooner rather than later, you'll be about doing that. I promise you, if you catch hold of God's vision for your life, you will be blessed Others will be blessed, and you'll bless God. So let's do it as people of faith. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, help each of us that we would not be dormant and stagnant and complacent in who we are in relationship to you, but rather we would have an enthusiasm and a desire to stretch and be more than we presently are that we not only look back in the past with favor, but we would look even with more enthusiasm to the future for what you hold for us. Lord, give us the tools and the desire and the resources to accomplish the vision you have for us. As we look over in Canaan land and see it filled with milk and honey, Help us not just to sit back and see the giants. Lord, help us to see you, that you're greater than all of those obstacles that are before us. Let us not get discouraged in doing good because a few on the sideline don't see it that way. But help us to reach out in faith through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Bless us, your people, in your precious and holy name, we make this prayer. Amen. May God bless you on this day. We hope that you've been inspired to do a better job uh, for the Lord's work, that you feel a deeper understanding of who you are in Him, and that you'll spend some time maybe even thinking about that in the days ahead. Again, we hope you stay safe and healthy. We hope as many people can, can get this vaccination. And so that you will be able to stay healthy and this coronavirus will not be something that just worries you all the time. And we hope to get back to church soon because we've all missed being with one another, haven't we? We hope that happens. So stay in prayer about that and how God can use us to move his work forward. Again, you take care and may God bless you until we meet again.